Welcome to Bon Jovi Discussions. Today, I have my buddy from Germany. Uh, he's actually been on Bon Jovi Discussions before. Uh, ben from Germany. How you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you doing? You? Doing good, buddy. So if anyone can't That's tell sad. from the background, of, of Ben's background, we're talking about this <laughs> bad boy today. Yeah, slippery, exactly. Slippery when wet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just start talking about the album before we get into, into the tracks, but... You and I both know that this was the band's third studio album. Uh, this was their make or break album, you know, because they re had released the, their debut and 7800 prior to this. And, you know, those were successful, but they weren't huge. And uh, um, obviously, this is such a monster album. You know, it's, it's a huge. It you know, it's, it, was the, it was the top selling album in 1987. Uh, and it's, I think it's still in the top 100 best albums of all time. Um, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, it was released on, in August 18th, 1986. Um, and it was, a lot of the songs were recorded in Richie's mother's basement. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it. But, I know this, I know this, sorry. I know this, this live recording, uh, from Richie where, John makes the introduction and says, uh, we recorded this in Richie's mother's basement. And oh, yeah. thanks Richie's mom for not doing the laundry this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's, I actually have a fun, cool story on the side. Um, when we went to, we, I go to see the band in New Jersey almost every tour. And so in 2013, we okay. went there for a whole week and we went to see like Jovi Landmarks, you know, like where music videos were shot or photos and blah, blah, blah. So we went to Richie's childhood home. Wow. And as okay. any other fan would, you know, we just took a quick picture in front of the house and kept going our way. And we were wearing uh, Bon Jovi shirts. And the guy that owned the house, obviously Richie's mother doesn't live there. And so it was bought yeah. out. And some guy that owns the house was doing yard work. And uh, he said, you guys, Jovi fans. Obviously, we were wearing Jovi shirts. So I think he put two and two <laughs> together there. But I said, yeah. And we actually got into talking about how huge of fans we were and about how, you know, his mother's basement is like a huge story. And he's like, you want to see it? And so oh, he great. actually gave us a tour of inside his house. Wow, and, that's uh, so awesome. We did not ask. He just he offered. I said, yeah. And so we actually got to see where, like, Richie's room was and uh, wow. where the, he took us down to the basement. And the basement, I'm not kidding you, is, is like, so tiny. You know, <laughs> they're, they're like, they must have been crammed or something. So, so that's oh, wow. my little story. Back to the album, you know, it was recorded. Okay. It was recorded from uh, January to July of '86 at Little Mountain Sand Studios, I think it was called in Vancouver. Uh, okay. It was produced by Bruce Fairborn, I think that's how you pronounce it, and it was mixed by Bob Rock. Yeah. Um, so originally, I'm sure you already know this story. Originally, they were going to go with a different cover than what we know. Yeah, yeah. The trash yeah. bag. So it was going to be originally, Mark Weiss was their photographer at the mm -hmm. time. And uh, John had the idea of doing like the old uh, cowboy rugged look. Yeah. Um, you know, facial hair grown cowboy hats. And so originally it was going to be like John standing there like on uh, in the background four pictures of the of the band and saying wanted dead or alive like a old billboard and then i think the record company shot that down or someone someone did probably a good idea and it was going to be called wanted dead or alive and he said slippery when wet yeah and and uh so when they were recording this album in vancouver um they were you know 20 year old men going to strip clubs and tico came up with the idea of slippery when wet and so I, I don't remember where they went but they went somewhere and started to um they found a girl holding a, like a hot girl like holding a bar of soap saying yeah. slippery when wet then it turned into what you and i know i don't even know if i, even have, I don't have the image right in front of me here but you know and then that was going to be the album cover the busty girl yeah, yeah, and with, with a pink uh, frame, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about the, the yeah, pink yeah. frame. And it was released in Japan, and then the record company calls John and goes, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. <laughs> or John, I think John called, didn't he? 
I, I don't I know how, who called. Yeah. Who. <laughs> yeah, I think John saw the pink frames. Uh-uh. Because I think they wanted to take it more serious. Yeah. And then so he hurried over to Mark Weist at his house. And he just took a trash bag and wrote Super One West. Yeah. And that became yeah. the album cover. And Mark Weiss still actually has that uh, garbage bag. Which is really? Cool. Yeah. Cool. So I'm sure it doesn't say Super One West anymore. But, you know, the fact yeah, to, to still have it. You know, and they, they wrote 30 songs for this album. And only 10 went on it. And yeah. uh, they played these songs in front of what John would call a, a pizza jury uh, in New Jersey. And uh, sorry, what? Uh, a pizza jury, I think that was called. Like uh, it was kind of like a fan club society at the time. So he okay. would like bring all these kids or fans and put it like go to a pizza joint and play the album, and they would say, "Well, this song probably would go good on the album." See what a fan's um, opinions were, and yeah. I think that's how it kind of morphed and what songs were going to make the album. Um, so. Yeah, and then um, fast forward a little bit to when the album came out, they made this VHS of music videos, which I thought was really cool. We'll, we'll get into the tour here in a second. But what I love okay. about this, what I love about this VHS is that you know, in between music videos, it uh, shows you know like behind the scenes of stuff because a lot of bands weren't doing that at the time. Oh really? But, you know, showing behind the scenes concert, but maybe they were. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess, but. From my judgment, from looking at other 80s bands, they really didn't do that. Um, and then they released this album in a dual disc, too, in 2005, same day they have a nice day released and had a DVD. And have you ever heard of the surround sound of it? Yeah. It, it, it's incredible, you know, especially like Never Say Goodbye and all that. I mean, it's amazing, you know. I haven't played that in a while. I, feel like I might have to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll get into the tour. I do have some notes here, so bear with, bear with me. Uh, Super Mutt tour from July of 86 to 80, October of 87. Uh, it was obviously, and this is what I think is so cool about the band. Obviously, we talked about already about how this was like a make or break album for them, and it just blew up. You know, it was hugely successful. So, uh, so debut of 7800 they were torn but they were you know supporting acts and then all all of a sudden you know they were opening up for rat and scorpions and kiss so all those bands were here bon jovi was here stripper and wet comes out yeah that's what i think is is so cool um and then but as you and i both know you know they're torn beforehand and this tour was, you know, a two-year tour, and uh, it wore the band out a lot. You know, you know, John was taking steroids at the end. His voice was, you know, starting to get become shocked pretty much. And and what I think is amazing is that after they finished that tour, three weeks later they recorded New Jersey, which is for another discussion. Yeah, you know. So I thought that was uh, that was kind of cool, you know. But. It was. Uh, until now, for me, it's uh, one of the best albums ever from every band. I mean, it's definitely my number one. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, I, I think, you know, the album is more of a, a fun party type. Well, some songs are like a party type, but, you know, I think it's the album where John kind of starts to show more of his heart. You mm -hmm. know, I, I also think he became more vulnerable in his songwriting in some of these songs, like uh, Without Love and Never Say Goodbye, I Die For You. I think those songs there, I think that he was starting to open up more because you don't really see that in the first two albums, the vulnerability, you know, the openness. That's right. That's you know, right. I, think, I think John was kind of writing for what was out at the time. And then I think I figured he figured, you know, he's got to write to what is true to himself. You know, that's my opinion. No, I'm definitely uh, with you there. Totally, totally. Yeah. It is so. So before we get into it, what's your favorite song? Well, it's so, so hard for me to... I, I know that you would ask me this question, uh, but it is so difficult for me to, to pick one of my faves because... 
I mean, of course, uh, uh, I love the the big hits like Prayer, like um, yeah. Bad Name, and and all the stuff. Uh, but if you uh, want me to name another song which is not like the top selling number one song of Bon Jovi from this album, um, I would go with "I Die for You." I die for you. Yeah, I die for you is one of my 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 favorites of this one. Yeah, my favorite one. It would is not actually on the album, but it's an outtake. Technically, an outtake. "Edge of a Broken Heart." Okay, yeah, it's pretty. I die for you. Yeah, I mean the the keys and all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're pretty. right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it's it's my you know I was given to a movie called Disorderlies and uh, on their soundtrack and thankfully we got it on the 2004 box set. Yeah. But, um, you know other good songs that were outtakes were Game of the Heart, uh, Deep Cuts of the Night, all those. Good, you know there were so many good songs. Like I said, they wrote 33 songs and but uh, yeah. yeah. Let's get started. So first track is Let It Rock. It was written yeah. by uh, John and Richie. And what I love about this song the most is the intro. And it's it's a great way to in- introduce the album, too. The it pink, is. The pink flamingos, you know, the... It's just like a spotlight on David, you know, showing how talented he is. That's the place where exactly... As you said, David introduces the complete album with this intro of Pink Flamingos and all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, you know, I obviously I wasn't alive at the time. I think I was like negative six years old. But <laughs> the, the tour videos look so good, like when they would, you know, play that. And, you know, David's up there just banging the heck yeah. out of the keys. And <laughs> damn, it sounds so good. And then all of a sudden the whole band comes in. And another thing I love about the song, too, is the backing vocals. The whoa, you know, yeah, I'm a singer. That's what I love about it. And, to me, this song is, you know, just kind of about letting loose, having a good time. And I think it's one of those more 80s rock and roll party songs, you know, just yeah, for, you know, it, like the like the line, uh, you can't stop the fire from burning out of control. I think that, you know, to me, that line is about, you know, life and the same routine every day and, you know, trying to tame a fire that you know the world's problems you know i think this is like one of those songs friday nights here let's have a good time let's not worry about work or politics or whatever's going on in the world you know that's my was my it's my take on it what's yours yeah uh it's pretty similar i think it's a uh like a um how to say it in english um yeah like a party rock and roll song yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's the best description I, I could it could fit into. Yeah. Okay, so next question. What's your favorite lyric? Wow. Okay, favorite lyric. I think never say goodbye. Never say for let it rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. No, I, I misunderstood. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's um, you mean from Let It Rock, my favorite phrase? Yeah, favorite line, yeah. Okay. Uh, wow, difficult. Difficult. We can uh, come back to it, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> Mine is, and I won't get too disrespectful, obviously on the down there's some sexual key point I won't get too disrespectful here, but my favorite lyric of this song is why well, I saw Roxy on the table, her girlfriend down below, and they'll give it to the king of swing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's you know more into detail, but I think that's pretty obvious. You know, it is having, totally and Richie's nickname was King of Swing, so of course. two and two yeah. together there. <laughs> but uh so next track, and this is a huge track because this was the band's First number, number one, one hit. This yeah. is what blew them out of the park. It, uh, you give love a bad name. And yeah. it was re- released as a first, the first single on July 23rd, 1986. 
It was written by John Ritchie and Desmond Child. And uh, it's one of those great uh, tongue-in-cheek songs. And I just, I love how it starts out. You know, it's no music instruments. It's just shot through the heart and you're too blame. You give up a bad name. And then boom, you know, the guitar, it sounds so good. The drums, you know, and, and, and obviously they play it at every show. And uh, yeah, it, what I liked about it too during a show is it, it, as a show opener, like, like they did a What About Now tour when, uh, you know, the whole it's dark and the band sings shot through the heart and you're to blame. And then John sings, you give a bad name and the spotlight hits. Oh, really? He, did he open in the, in the, at the U S tour with, uh, the yeah. Shadow? In 2013. Yeah. That was the show okay. of most shows. And it was really cool. Um, okay. and then in 2019 overseas, uh, I think it was eight, 2018 or 19. Um, when they do like the the intro, you know, and then John was walking to the stage, and then they were like, "You give a bad name." But let's get back to the the track. What's your give me your intake on this song? Uh, to your um, other question, you had um, they never opened here at the European tour with uh, with "You Give Love a Bad Name." I never experienced a tour no. where they opened here with "You Give Love a Bad Name." For the, not for the 2013 tour. I'm not sure where they did it for um, this house tour, but they did uh, do it in a couple places. I think I'll have to look at the set lists, um, but they did do a few shows with opening with that. Really? I, I mean, I can only uh, speak about the, the German uh, shows and some uh, abroad, um, yeah. but I, the most in, in 2013, uh, it wasn't uh, You Give Love a Bad Name as an opener. Yeah, it was last tour, 2019, they opened up with it. Really okay. My life on it. I'll, uh, after our discussion here, we'll, uh, I'll pull up the set list. Okay. We'll okay. do it a couple of times. Okay. Yeah, uh, what I love so much uh, about You Give Love a Bad Name is um, I'm in love with this riff Richie does during the verse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this da 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 you know yeah uh, and uh, this one uh, yeah it's just so I once heard an interview where he said um, when he wrote that that intro kind of riff um, he was inspired by uh, another one bites the dust by Queen oh really I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. I could see the and, there. Yeah, I didn't know it before and I thought, yeah, it makes totally sense. I, I see what yeah, I I can realize now what he's uh was thinking about when yeah. he wrote this, yeah. And um yeah, and then of course uh, the the chorus which goes straight forward. Um yeah. it's just and then really awesome song until now yeah i'm glad you also bring up richie with this song because another thing i want to say about this album is that it this album really electrifies richie you know it really showcases him totally. spotlights him and so if anybody was to say how does richie sound in the 80s i'd give him this album because it just encompasses what richie you know i think a lot of success of the album was because of richie you know with the uh, guitar yeah. and you know obviously john and the whole band too but you know, a lot of the guitar parts in these songs are just amazing. You know, it makes the song sound so good. You know, David, too. I mean, David's keys on these songs, too, are, are incredible. But um, I also like the music video to the song because I think this is one of the very first videos where they were just kind of showing how they are on stage, you know? Because a lot of like the other bands, and you see in Bonjour's later videos too, is they're always so busy touring, they didn't have time to make music videos, so they just did it while they were on stage. And uh, this is one of the very first live no, it wasn't live, but it showed them live and just showing like how they are on stage and having fun and and all that. Uh, my favorite lyric for the song is Your first kiss was your very first kiss goodbye, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just one of those fun exactly this is the, uh, the the part i love uh i love too yeah <laughs> yeah um and so the next track which is obviously the band's the biggest song this, wow. this will probably you know john always always jokes it'll be his 
in his obituary. Um, but the band's biggest hit, "Living on Prayer." Yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah, pretty pretty number one on my ever best Bon Jovi. Uh, yeah, the song I, I love the most is, is a prayer. It's intro and the use of the effects of the guitar with the talk box, what Richie does, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's it so sure is. Um, and the, it, this was the band's second single. Uh, it was released on October thirty first, nineteen eighty six. What a Halloween treat! <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it was written by John Ritchie and. I think Desmond Todd also wrote on it too. And, you know, like you said, the talk box, you know, not a lot of band, not a lot of 80s hair bands were doing talk boxes. So it was kind of like a step out of the norm. And, you know, it just, it sounds amazing. It's it's such a great way to open up this song, you know? And, and you know what else gets me about this song too? Is that Richie had to convince John that this was a hit song because John didn't think the song was worthy of even being on the album. No way, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Oh yeah. No, Richie yeah. had to convince him to put it uh, on, yeah, on the final. They wrote thirty songs for this album, and everybody loved "Living on Prayer," but John didn't. John's like, "No, this song is a fluke," and he didn't want to no. put it on the album. And then Richie actually had to convince him to put it on the album, and luckily, it happened. And then there was some more convincing that had to be done to release it as a single. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. And so, wow. Completely and so, new to me. <laughs> so, yeah. So John didn't like that. Yeah, John has said it many times in interviews and stuff. I'll have to find that for you. Um, okay. another, another thing that I really like about this uh, song, do you, do you, and it's on the, the VHS tape, uh, their 1987 MTV performance. I mean, John's vocals in that just blows me away in that performance. Yeah, yeah it is. The, the MTV Awards, yeah, was perfect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it, it's such a staple in the band's set list. You know, they've opened up with it. It's been in the middle of this. You know, I love it as an opener. Um, you know, like I was saying, it's been in the middle of a set list. But I think right now, the band's career, I think it's a perfect way to end the show because yeah i've seen the band 53 times and i always get goosebumps when that song starts because yeah you see every whether you're a diehard a general fan or you don't even care to be there doesn't matter who you even the janitors and the security guards and all those people they're singing along to that song it's so electrifying you know yeah. i couldn't even imagine what it's like to be in the band having that feeling you having know? The, yeah it's, it's yeah experience that yeah it, it's yeah it's, it's crazy you know it is totally um uh, i mean when when the when it starts uh with uh david doing the keys of of the intro and uh then richie comes in with the talk box it's so it's goosebumps all over yeah and, and uh you know what i'll talk about it as a, as a show opener real quick I loved when they would like open up with prayer and then all of a sudden at the end of it, they go into, you love a bad name. You know, yeah, I, I think the perfect right. example is the crush tour, you know, like you come on, talk to me, you know, all. Yeah. That, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you know, they do that instrumental changeover into bad name and, you know, it's just so good. You know, just, I, I could just, yeah. Just wanted to say it, uh, at the crush tour and, um, the DVD, uh, the concert in, it was in Switzerland, where they recorded the video for the Crush DVD. Yeah, yeah. And in this time, they opened with prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think this the meaning of the song is pretty self-explanatory. But this was the introduction to Tommy and Gina. You know, yeah. the working class folks trying to make it, and that's what the I think that's what this whole song is about. It's just. Tommy and Gina or you know whoever sticking together and making it through anything you know it's shown that you know like a two income household you know man and wife or, you know Gina used to work the diner all day working for a man she brings home her pay for love you know it's just making it through everything and staying together and hoping you'll make it essentially yeah you know it's a great uh, uh, like a oh sorry 
it's a great. <laughs> um, it's like a let's let's call it like a a hold on. I believe in uh, him. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's just it's just incredible. Um, you know, and one, another thing I like about the song too is the music video. I, another live really? live video. Um, I love how in the first minute and a half of the video, it's black and white. You know, pretty much watching the band have fun doing sound check and just kind of seeing the band's interaction with each other, you know, that other cameras wouldn't ever see or people. And then all, all of a sudden, you, you know, when John's running back to the stage and he kicks his knee up and it bursts into color, you know, because back then, you know, a lot of TVs were black and white. And I think, I don't know when color TV became a thing, but I think that's when yeah. it would become bigger. And it was just, it was just so cool to see. That's you right. Um, my favorite lyric to this song is you live for the fight when it's all that you got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, because it's yeah, true. I you know, if you have nothing else to fight for, you have, you know, to fight. It is totally, yeah. Um, I, mean, I love mo most part, uh, which I love the most is um, in the pre-chorus, um, where it says, we got to hold on to what we've got. Yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't make a difference if we made it or not. So that's, yeah, the, the introduction of this um, strong belief that we will make it it uh, doesn't matter what happens. Exactly. And, you know, one last thing about this song is I think this is one of those songs, and it, it's obviously true to this day, you know, 34 years later, um, you know, it's timeless. It's a timeless song. It's, you know, I think especially right now with COVID, you know, yeah. I mean, this song is like the headline of this pandemic right now because we, we all are living our prayer to be you know, cheesy there, I guess, but it's true. It's actually, you know, it's so perfect in this time right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. do you have any uh, uh, other takes on this song before we get to the next one? Uh, no, no, that's one. Just uh, with the next one. So next one is Social Disease. This song is, uh, I don't even know if John knows this song exists. You know, Social Disease. You know, yeah. uh, it was, <laughs> It was written. It was written by John and Richie. Um, yeah, and it's like I said, this album, you know, kind of hints at some sexual points. Uh, and definitely, this song is the most sexual one. <laughs> it sure is, especially the intro. You know. Yeah. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember being a kid. I was eight years old in two thousand, discovering the band. I got Crush, Crossroads, and Blaze of Glory first. And I think Slippery was the fourth record that my dad bought me. And okay. I remember listening to this album, and all of a sudden, track number four, and I'm, eight, I'm eight years old. And I, I started hearing the intro to the social stuff. I'm like, what are they doing? I'm asking my dad what they're doing. And I think my dad told me that, that she was getting a foot robber or something stupid. And, and obviously, I grew up, and, you know, after the, you know, becoming a teenager you know she wasn't getting no foot rub um, <laughs> but you know I, I i love that part where she goes that's it <laughs> you know it's just, you know we won't get too perverted here or disrespectful um but yeah this whole song is about sex and it totally think, STDs is and, and it, it's not a typical bon jovi song you know but i'm glad they released it because it's just one of those songs that you, you just laugh at you know, I don't mind the song, but you know, it's one of the songs you just laugh about. You know, what's yeah. uh, what, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty much the same. Like like you said before. Um, I mean, I'm not uh, with that one. I'm not too too deep in the lyrics. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. now a um, a line that is uh, markable or or special or something like this because I'm with that song. I'm not so deep in the lyrics with it. Yeah. Well, me neither. Um, I, mean, I mean, I don't hold the lyrics to as a Bible, but, you know, I do have a favorite <laughs> lyric. Yeah, I, I always like this lyric. Yeah, I think it's in the, the bridge. So full of high-grade octane, she can run the bullet train on 38 double Ds. <laughs> now you know for sure you know the cure to make a blind man see. <laughs> <laughs> 
I do. I I love the line. You know, it's 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 funny. You know, it's <laughs> they actually did this live a few times too. I think just during the slippery tour here and there. But uh, yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> we'll get into the next song now. Uh, track wow. five is obviously another huge uh, Bon Jovi hit. Uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. Uh, yeah. The b- band's third single uh, released on John's birthday, uh, March second, nineteen eighty-seven, I believe. It was yeah. written by John and Richie in Richie's basement, and uh, what was I going to say? I had a, I had a thought and it went away. Yeah, but it's pretty much more of a. I think this is where John kind of gets into that whole cowboy role you know and the song is pretty much about you know be life on the road as a as a rock star because you know they were on tour for you know two years straight before this came out and uh you know like on steel horse i ride was obviously about a tour bus mm, um, yeah but what's your uh what's your take i mean this is um I sometimes called it in, in the past, uh, when I did some posts on Instagram, I called it the hymn of my life because as you know, I, I play guitar. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this song is pretty much in my, um, in every set I play at every party, at every event I, I play outside. Uh, yeah. uh, a great acoustic song, I guess. And, um, yeah, the 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 lyrics and uh, especially the 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 playing of Richie is so awesome in in that song. I mean, doing the it in the acoustic way and reduce all the the band down and and make it just uh, um, just voice and guitar and the harmonies. And this is exactly the way I love to do make music. So this one fits so perfect into my setting and therefore i love this song very much it's definitely a john and richie song now i know i made you do it on the last discussion yeah since you talked about playing the intro on your guitar you have a guitar beside you yeah of course course, let's hear hear the intro yeah let me get it (laughs) just wait now the waiting starts Oh, he found it. You can hear it? I can hear it. Thanks, buddy. Play, play like that, and, and that's such a you know that's obviously one of Richie's guitars, you know, models, and that's such yeah. a cool guitar. And you know, we talk about guitars. Yeah. And uh, what I like about this song too, especially live, you know, now Phil X does the song, but what I like seeing is the guitar change. You know, you see the two neck guitar from you know when Richie played, and then all of a sudden they go right before the uh, the guitar. Guitar solo, they do a guitar switch. And now it's just one yeah. neck electric guitar. Um, this song actually also inspired uh, "Blaze of Glory," which was you know a later release in 1990. But uh, Emilio Estevez for "Blaze of uh, for Young Guns" too wanted to use "Wanted Dead or Alive" for the video or for the movie, and John was like, "No, I don't think it's the perfect fit." And then that's how John wrote "Blaze of Glory." So that that's kind of a cool, inspiring thing. When you um, when you look at these two songs, Place of Glory and One Dead or Alive, in the songwriting way, let's call it this, I mean the harmonies and the um, 
um, and, and the accords he uses and all the stuff is pretty much, it's like, um, it's pretty much the same. I know that it, it underlines what you said, uh, that Place of Glory was written uh, after One Dead or Alive for fitting better into, into the movie soundtrack. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly the, the, the way uh, you express the, the writing skills and all the stuff and, and the, the musician harmonies and all that uh, kind of thing. It's, um, they are so, um, so close at each other, these two songs. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, my favorite lyric of this song is sometimes I sleep, sometimes it's not for days. The people I meet, they come and go their separate ways. And it, it, it's, you know, in, in their shoes, it's so true because, you know, being a rock and roll band, you're going from city to city and like, it's like meet and greets, you know, like you're meeting all these people and they mm. go their way, then you go your way. And it's, you know, really no meaning to, to them in a way. Uh, do you have a favorite lyric? From that song uh yeah i love most of the part uh when he says um i've seen a million faces and i rocked it all <laughs> i love that line yeah uh let's go to the next one the sixth track which i think should have been a single i think it would have been perfect as a single uh raise your hands yeah I, you know I, it was written by john and richie and it's just one of those great concert songs and you know, this has been a, great. a show opener. It's been a great show opener. They play in the middle of the set list, beginning. And it's just one of those fun concerts. So, you know, I, I get my arm work out at a show because you know, you're raising your hands yeah. so many times. Sorry. And, you know, that's, and that's the whole meaning of this song is just, you know, going to a concert and enjoying rock and roll and, you know, traveling. And, you know, I, I like from, from New York to Chicago, from New Jersey to Tokyo, you know. Yeah. What's your what's your take on this? Yeah, it is uh as you said, a, a great uh live performing track. It it works so good uh at the shows. Uh I mean I experienced a lot of shows they opened with that here in yep. in Europe. Um so it's a great live song. Because yeah. uh yeah, I, I can't imagine an, another song where there's so much interaction between the band and yeah. the audience yeah you know and i'm glad you said that because that's exactly what the song's about it's about the band and the audience you know that concert rock and roll connection you know um and my favorite lyric too is you're out on the run under the gun gonna set the night on fire I yeah great you great a favorite, song, you have a yeah. favorite line from it uh I'm I'm not so deep in uh, in 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 the most lyrics uh, as I as I didn't um, play it. I guess uh, I'm crazy for myself. Um, so I'm not so so deep inside in it that I can name you now uh, a good line. <laughs> okay, I must be so weird that was lyric because I just I I always listen to a song that okay this is my favorite lyric. I just I love lyrics. I lo I love John song songwriting. I I don't know. I guess it's weird. But uh, yeah. next one is Without Love. And this was, like I said before, this these are one of those songs where John became, I think, a little more open. Um, yeah. And it's, I think it's one of the very first ballads that show a lot of his emotion. And it wasn't just about sex and rock and roll and stuff that they were kind of writing about at the time. And what I really love is the guitar and keys in the song. You know, I started that intro with that, you know, on the guitar. And then you hear the keys in the back, you know, David's keys. And uh, it's such a, a, a good song. Um, you it's know, definitely it's, made for, for David on the keys. It's definitely a, oh, a keyboard absolutely. song. And yeah. I don't think this was ever live, even back in Slippery Tour. I'll have to look at that list. I'm not sure if it was or not. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, the whole song is about life it's kind of like the song what do you got from 2010 you know life means nothing without love you know that love pulls us through everything and you know and i i think the song comes from a, a view of being broken being lonely you know and not having yeah anyone beside you um 
what's your take on this stuff? Yeah, um, definitely, as I said, um, it's one of the songs where David can play the big part. Yep. Or it's, it most fits for his skills on the keys um, and and all the stuff. And of course, the um, um, the more openness of, of John with the lyrics and going more into this love kind of um, telling the love story thing and all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely great party rock and roll song compared with this um with this um part of the love thing yeah really great yeah yeah and you know i have two favorite parts of the song i absolutely love the bridge i think this is probably my favorite bridge on the album you know i oh. see my life there's some things that i took for granted love's passed me by so many second chances i was afraid but i won't be afraid no more oh. i yeah. love that that line you know and then also the the first verse, you know, I saw a man down a lonely street, a broken man that looked like me. And no one knows the pain that he's been living. He's lost his love and still hasn't forgiven. That's the whole, I think that, I think that verse right there kind of gives you the whole meaning of what this song is about. Exactly. Um, but we'll go to the next one. Uh, I Die okay. For You. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, if, you, if you have more to say about Without Love, by all means. No, no. Let's just go on with with that for you. <laughs> okay, uh, I die for you. It was written by John and Richie. It's a fan favorite to this day. I remember um, John kind of brought it back on the last tour, uh, this house tour, and uh, I was lucky. I was not lucky to get to see it. He did a few other shows though, but um, it, it's such a, a good song. I I think Tico shines on this album with the way he plays the drums. Um, yeah. It's it's such a good song. I think it's all about um, making mistakes in a, in a relationship, but knowing that you're committed to that person, and you know, obviously you're willing to die for that person. You know, that's I, I think that's like the biggest commitment of all is you know it I is. die for you. You know, nothing says I love you than I I die for you. I take a bullet for you. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's what's your take on on the song? I mean, yeah, I love it. I love the lyrics of this song because it's exactly that what what you said um, uh, about the yeah the way he expresses this kind of step he experienced in his relationship and all the stuff and um, of course the uh, the music thing um, or the, the musical structure of the song I love so much I mean the the beginning with David's keys and all the stuff, and this is the the typical '80s style. Yeah, uh, all the '80s bands had the sound of the keys, and in the intro, and then the riff uh, comes in with the electric guitar. Uh, that's so. That's what uh, what I love about all '80s bands. I mean, yeah, I'm an the same kid. sound, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm an '80s kid. I love all the the great bands from the '80s, um, whether they are uh, Scorpions, Guns and Roses, White Snake, and all the stuff there from the '80s. And um, that's what why this is uh, my favorite track of that. It is so it is so '80s like. Yeah. So perfectly nailed and uh, yeah. Just great, and, you know. I also love John's vocals. The, the, the uh-huh, uh, it's only yeah. for you. You know, I love that. I love the way his his voice sounds on this song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, looking back at Super Wet tour videos, you know, they did such an amazing performance of this song. I also love it when they did it acoustic. I don't think they did it acoustic until these days tour. They would do it acoustic. It sounded really good too. Um, yeah. Well, it, it it is a great acoustic version, but I prefer the the original version when oh, they play live. I never, I unfortunately never heard it live in the original version. Oh man! At concert, <laughs> I never had the chance to. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it live. To be honest, I know it was played during the Circle Tour and then um, this house tour. Oh, this house tour, I think they only did like three or four times, but I was lucky to see it. Yeah, but cool. The the 
the song live. I did like five or six shows on this house run. Never happened for me. Okay. Um, but so my favorite lyric of this is uh, because our love is like a hunger. Without it, we would starve. And yeah. it's, it's kind of like that. Love back, to, part. Yeah. back to the without love, or what do you got kind of meaning. You know, what do you go is until 2010. But, you know, love is what gets us through everything. Um, but exactly. next track. Yep. Next track is this is my favorite on the album. Uh, Never say goodbye. Wow. Uh, it was the fourth single released on June fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven, written by John and and Richie. Um, it's just what I really love about this song is it's pretty much just looking back, holding on to memories, and you know knowing that change is going to happen, but mm-hmm. you still look back. Um, you know, we talked about I Die For You, the original versus the acoustic. And, you know, I've seen the acoustic a few times and I love it. But I wish I could have seen them play it, the electric version, the, the way it is on the album, you know? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I, yeah. Tell you know, me. I, go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I never experienced it live, of course. Um, but the most um, performances I saw was the acoustic performance of this one because I think it's one of the greatest ballads um, and uh, this one in the acoustic way with uh, the twelve string guitar and the six string guitar it's it's totally enough to get the audience that intimate, intimate feeling of yeah. that song. Of yep. that topic uh, he he talks about, and um, for me this this acoustic version is, is really at at the top. Yeah, from all their performances. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, totally. you know, and I I love the music video too because you know it a music video adds such a special touch to a song sometimes, and it's it's one of these songs that does. You know, obviously in the video. You know, they're showing all the, their childhood photos of them growing up. And, you know, I, yeah. I like when John's flying into the crowd and you kind of get that intimacy. Yeah, you, know, you know, it's more of an intimate song, I think. Um, and what else I, I, I love about the song, too, is John's vocals, especially at the end when he's finishing the song and he sings Never Say Goodbye and he holds the note and bye. Mm-hmm. It blow. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah, and, totally. You know, I, right. I I also love the drums too. I think this is one of those songs too where Tika really shines with drums. You know, mm-hmm. just the way that he he sounds. Um, but it yeah. Is. So um, yeah. I mean, in this song uh, particularly, uh, in the um. In the chorus, when they uh, do f- uh, first and second vocals together, it's such a great oh, match of, of those two voices. Oh, of the models, so. Oh yeah, you're not kidding, especially the chorus. You know, it's yeah, kind of perfect duo song. You kind of like wanted, you know, wanted and never say goodbye on this album. Well, never say goodbye acoustic. You know, really shines the John and Richie relationship. You know. Yeah, perfect. Uh, at its at its best, yeah. Yeah, and you know my favorite lyric for this song is you know, the intro: "Is I sit in the smoking room the night about to end. I pass my time with strangers, but this bottle is my only friend." Mm-hmm. You know, kind of really ties into you know the wanted dead or alive. You know, people going their separate ways, or you know, without love, being lonely. Um, but yeah, um, so the next the next one on the album is actually the last track on the album, uh, "Wild in the Streets." Yeah, it was technically a final single in some countries. Here in the U.S., it was never a single, but it was released as a music video, and uh, it's actually my second favorite on, on the album. It was written just by John uh, on this album. Mm-hmm. The only song that was written by John, and uh, it's such a uh, you know having the time of your life. Essentially, you know, I think I think kind of like looking back to it, your youth. You know, you know, taking on the streets and, you know, as a teenager being a kid, you know, those are your streets, you know. And exactly. 
yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you on this. Um, it's it's a uh, uh, yeah, as you said, lo looking back to your uh, to your childhood and to your youth and uh, what you all experienced, yeah, yeah, and this um, put into a great track with a great. Uh, I'm I mean, this is another track where it is. Um, is made for for David for the keys. I think. Oh, this absolutely! Track. So, yeah, he could totally freak out on the keys on that, and uh, it's a perfect match for him. Oh, it it is. You know, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get to see this song live again. But uh, you know, I was listening to the live from London uh, album yesterday. You know, our performance. Okay. And I was listening to Water in the Streets, and I was like, damn, this sounds so good. And I yeah. wish we could see it alive again. Obviously, vocal-wise, it's very high. And I, I don't think it is. Very... It would never happen. No. Because no. vocally, it's it's not uh, yeah. it's, it's not in the condition to, to make it. Um, but uh, yeah, I would love to, to, um, to hear it back. And, and you know we're, we're talking about the keys too, and I also want to mention about Richie's guitar solo. Yeah. Richie and David coming together on that guitar solo, so you know you yeah. hear the keys. Yeah, then Richie. Then Richie comes in. Yeah. So good, and I also love the music video. Yeah, because you know if if you play "Wanted Dead or Alive" music mm -hmm. video, it shows them all worn out and you know kind of hamster wheel kind of life. Then you put this video on, and you're seeing the good times of a uh, of a show and of a tour, and you know it, it, it's a party song. You know, it's just a, it's a fun video too, um, and uh, yeah, it's just you know. And, and my lyric too is you know we're cruising in the backseat, making love mm. in the backseat. You know, it's just it, it's such a good song. You know, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And, but um, yeah, do you have any other takes on this album or song before we wrap up? Um, I mean, uh, w uh, when you said uh, you love uh, one of the outtakes, Edge of the Broken Heart, it's another great song. Yeah. It's it's a shame that it uh, didn't make it on, on the record. Yeah, because it, it, um, I think it would have been, you know, it's kind of like living our prayer theory where Richie had to tell him to put it on. I wish yeah. that it was kind of pushed that he put it on. Yeah, because I think it would have been a major hit. You know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you know, at least we got the song, and it, it's so good. But um, you know, but anyway, it, yeah. At least this was uh, the the most um, impressive fact. As I told you, I didn't know that Richie has had to convince John to make "Living on yeah. a Prayer" on that album. Yeah. So. John had said it. So I, I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll find an interview where John said that. You know, they said it so many times. And, but yeah. But any, anyway, buddy, um, it was great having you on again. Uh, it's always yeah. fun to chat with you. you know, whether we're chatting on here, or, you know, talking on online through messages and stuff. Uh, so I hope you're staying safe. And thanks for coming on, buddy. Stay safe, too. And right. see you. Take care, buddy.